You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Tim McMaster here, joined by our MLB.com Rays reporter, Bill Chastain. Bill, first podcast of 2016. Happy New Year to you. Same to you, Tim. All right, so obviously the Rays didn't have a lot to do overall this hot stove season. They made some moves early on as well. So as we turn the calendar over and start to look ahead to spring training, which scary is is a little over a month away before pitchers and catchers are going to be reporting down in Florida. Is there anything left for this team to do when you look at this roster? I really don't think they have any pressing needs. It doesn't mean they wouldn't want to do something to enhance what they have, though, because I do think they have a lot of depth, and I think a lot of that depth was created last year by actually having the injuries they had and, and allowing some of the players to play who would not normally have gotten the opportunity. We're getting to that point in the off season where players that don't have teams maybe start to get a little bit nervous, and, and maybe the later you get, you can find deals, find discounts on players. Is that something the Rays keep an eye on to maybe get a player they didn't think they'd have a chance at back in November or December, but maybe falls into their price range now? I think they're always looking at that. I, I kind of think it's like a game of musical chairs. Uh, at this point in the season, you know, once the, the chairs start to disappear, you know, these some of these guys are, are faced with the uh, reality that, you know, A, you might even have to sign a minor league deal, and you know, with an invite to spring training, which is what the Rays have done a lot with some of the veteran relief pitchers, or you might get that veteran slugger who um, maybe had a down year and needs one year, you know, a one-year deal to kind of bring himself back in the focus and, uh, you know, maybe get him for a little better price than what they normally would. Most of the talk as far as the Rays go and, and possible trades this offseason has been about, obviously, the starting pitching because they have so much depth. We had heard some talk about conversations with the Dodgers. Now the Dodgers seem like they've filled that need. Now that we're into January, you're more and more confident that the starters the Rays have right now are all going to stay put in Tampa Bay for at least the beginning of 2016? It, it looks that way. You know, I, I think probably nothing happened uh, because I think the Rays were in a good position by not having to make a deal. And when you don't have to make a deal, you can drive a, hard, you know, a harder bargain for some of the players you have. So um, I think they're very comfortable having you know, a, a, a big group of starters, particularly based on how thin they got last year. So um, I wouldn't be surprised either way, really, to tell you the truth. But I do think if they moved one of their – uh, top starters, it would have to be a pretty good deal. You have an article up on the site right now about Kurt Casale and and he, what a great year he had in 2015, basically. And and really, the back behind it is the fact that he kind of changed his approach at the plate. Talk about that a little bit and, and his thoughts on that as he heads to 2016. Well, it's funny, really. Though one of the one of the only other guys I've ever seen do this was actually Ben Zobrist. When Ben Zobrist came up with the, the team after the, the Rays traded to Houston for him, he was kind of a ping-ping-to-all-fields type guy, and and Ben is a big guy. Casale's a big guy, a, a bigger guy. So, you know, I think somebody got it into his mind, you know, why don't you get up there and finally take a rip at it? And he, he did that, and he had, some, you know, some success getting some home runs. So now... Having changed that approach, he feels good going into the off. You know, felt good going into his off season to kind of try and 
uh, build on what he did last year with that new approach. And it seems like, you know, the strikeout is a more and more acceptable thing. So for a catcher where I think most teams would rather get some more pop from their catcher than a high batting average, it makes total sense, even if you're going to strike out a little more, if you can hit 15 home runs from that catcher spot, that's a huge lift for any team. Oh, no doubt. And and it should be pointed out, his defense continues to get better as well. So, And he's a, he's a smart guy, uh, you know, a Vanderbilt guy. Pitchers like pitching to him. He has a good baseball acumen. So um, I think heading into the season, he's going to be your number one guy, although I, I still think you're going to see a lot of uh, Rivera, and I don't know exactly how they're going to do Hank Conger yet, if, how much he's going to get behind the plate. I think they're kind of figuring – I think they think they can work with him behind the plate a little bit in some of his throwing problems, but he has certainly had good enough offense to where you know we might see the team keep three catchers this year. And that's a good spot to be in. Is there a, a point where maybe they can use one of those catchers, maybe if it's at the trade deadline, if they need to do something, move one of those catchers to help out in other area or spot of the roster, or do you think they're happy because those guys can do different things? Oh, I think that's a def- definitely a possibility, and, and particularly in uh, maybe Rivera's case, although he is the best defensive catcher of the group. So, um, And I, I do think they're kind of banking on maybe getting a rebound from what he did offensively last year. So kind of wait and see there, but uh, I know they are excited about Casale's power potential. Bill, Jim Callis recently had an article where he talked about possible 2016 breakout stars as far as prospects go and Jake Bowers made the list he's a a raised first base prospect now they got him in the Will Myers deal Uh, how much have you heard about Jake Bowers and and what he could bring this team at some point at first base you know what I have not seen him play I really don't know a lot about him Um, certainly anybody who shows some offense uh, particularly in the high level of the raised minor leagues is going to be uh, you know, have have a good possibility to get there based on some of what the team has done offensively. Although, really, when you look at what the team did offensively the second half of the year last year, there's pretty good reason to be optimistic about this year's offense. So, um, you know, I think he's on the radar from what I've heard. But um, and and you know, just keep putting those offensive numbers up there, and, and you know, he'll he'll drive the train for when he arrives. Yeah, and he's an example, I think, of why you don't pass too much judgment on a trade right away. you got to wait and see because he was kind of maybe not a throw-in, but, but a lesser player in that deal for Will Myers. But if he ends up becoming a regular at the major league level at first base with some pop, then you're going to look back on that trade, I think, as far as the Rays go and say, wow, they, they really did a nice job in that deal. Well, it's Hall of Fame season right now, Bill, and... Uh, and there is, uh, when you look at the ballot, Fred McGriff is there now. And he's a guy who spent three-plus seasons with the Rays. Then he went back and he finished his career with the Rays. He's a guy who's from the Tampa area. He had 12.9% of the votes a year ago. So chances are he's not going to find his way to Cooperstown. But he's a guy who was an inaugural member of the Rays, an important part of that team. So I just wanted to give you a chance to kind of reflect back on on what Fred McGriff, the crime dog, meant to this franchise. Oh, he was, you know, I mean, that was a big deal getting him uh, popularity-wise for the team. Everybody in the Tampa area, uh, I know from 
back when I worked at the uh, Tampa Tribune back then, and I covered the, the national baseball scene. I mean, there were so many major leaguers from the Tampa Bay area, him being one of them, and everybody in the area followed all of these different guys. And, of course, he had great stints with the Braves, the Blue Jays, and, and the Padres. And um, really, I think it's unfortunate that you know he didn't play a decade before he did because uh, you know his numbers are solid. I mean, they're Hall of Fame numbers before his era. And, you know, in fact, you could almost, I, I'm not, I hesitate, I wouldn't compare anyone to Hank Aaron, but his consistency was, was that kind of thing where he put up the home runs every year. You could pencil in, you know, 30 home runs a year with, with Fred McGriff. So um, it's unfortunate that he played with the guys when the, when the stats got a little bit inflated. Uh, so I, I'm like you, I don't expect it to happen, but I think it's kind of a, a, a sad fallout of the whole thing. Yeah, and there was a time when that 500 home runs was pretty much a lock, and and one of the reasons I think he went back to the Rays to finish his career was to try to get there. He ended up with 493, which is an amazing number of of career home runs, but this is his seventh year on the ballot, so certainly running out of time for Fred McGriff, but we'll see how he does in the 2016 voting process. That's going to do it for us. We're out of time, Bill. Thanks a lot for your time. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.